Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. <laughs> so, um, so big, big, big weekend for Pauline and I. If I can just begin there. So yesterday we we didn't we didn't really celebrate it, but it was our twenty eighth wedding anniversary. So um, um, we didn't celebrate it because at six thirty in the morning we left to drive Daisy up to Kiel. So as well as celebrating our twenty eighth wedding anniversary, we became what is uh, uh, fondly known as empty nesters. So we've got no children at home. Um, so. Um, uh, but that space seems to be rapidly being filled by other things. And uh, it, was, it was an interesting day, dropping Daisy off. Um, I suppose this is the third time we've done that, and uh, we have a kind of a, a way of doing it. As you can imagine, we get into a way. And our way is uh, I kind of drive us up there, and Pauline gets into the room, and we got into Daisy's room at, at university the first time. And if you've ever been to our house, Daisy's room at home is like, it's like a Hilton hotel. It's really, really nice. It's like a five-star room, and it's really warm, and she's got everything's really lovely. She goes to uni, and this room is not like that. It looks like a prison cell. And she goes, I don't like the room. I don't like the room. Anyway, she's got a mum who then says, don't worry, Daisy. By the end of the day, you're going to love it. And then Pauline gets into um, making this room, which actually at the beginning looked a bit like a prison cell, look a tiny bit like Daisy's room at home. And so by the end of the day, the day Daisy was, I love my room, I love my room. And uh, I spend most of the time when that's happening, um, actually I spent most of the time in the car sleeping, that's what I did. I spent, <laughs> I spent a lot of the time, I wasn't in the room while all that was going on. Uh, but it was a great day. Daisy's gone to Kiel, which is very close to... Uh, Stoke, which is sort of in the potteries, and I only know these things by football. There's a football team called Stoke City, and uh, there was a there was a there was a kind of a statue of Stanley Matthews in the middle of the town, and so I see those things. Um, and Daisy saw New Look and other shops like that. So uh, it was a big it was a big day uh, for us, and we got back quite late last night, um, and we're kind of just. As we do, we're just talking about this new change in this new season that we're, that we're in. So uh, it's good though, isn't it, my love? We'll find out. I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, so a couple of things that I just wanted to add to our notices is next Sunday, um, we're doing a, a service which we've kind of called Remembering Ben. Next Sunday is the first anniversary of Ben's passing and we wanted to mark that in some way. But to be honest, we wanted to do something slightly more than that. We think that is important for us as a church. Ben was an elder here, his family are here. Um, but we also wanted to acknowledge the fact that through this last year or whenever, there might be a number of people in our church who have lost loved ones. Yeah? You may have lost someone close to you. You may have lost someone that you know. You may have lost them in difficult circumstances. Uh, I don't know. And so um, part of what we're doing next week is not, is not simply doing a, a, like a memorial service for Ben, but it's also thinking how as Christians and how as a church do we respond to loss and to grieving? 
And, and there are two big things that you want to do as a church when you, when you respond to loss and respond to grieving, is you want to worship. That was how we see David respond um, when his son dies in the story of David and Bathsheba. The, the, once his son dies, the first thing he does is he goes into the temple and he worships. And also, uh, you want to be reminded of the gospel because it's the gospel that gives you hope. And so next week... Um, we want to make that kind of focus along with focusing around Ben and really want to encourage uh, people who may be part of our church who are struggling in grief. They don't know how to respond because the way I've just described we respond as Christians is not how the world responds to grief, but it is how we ought to respond to grief. And so we might want to encourage people to come There may well be members of Ben's family who are here with us and um, we're very open for others to come to join us as we as a church really respond to uh, that loss and also the grief that goes with it and we want to help other people be able to respond to grief as well. So that's next Sunday we'll be doing that. And then the following Sunday, you'll know we run a, a kind of a vision cycle where every term we're focusing on a different aspect of what it means to be part of our church. And this term we're focusing around our foundations again. And we're going to be doing uh, a series from uh, the beginning of October around, around leadership and leadership values and leadership characteristics. Um, really with a view, uh, yes, as a church, to, um, uh, th- that we might have those characteristics in our church, but it's partly to help every individual to learn to lead themselves just a bit better. Because if you can learn to lead yourself a bit better and you can base how your life is built on the right kind of values and the right kind of foundations, it really, really helps. It's one of the the biggest lessons that I've had over the years was to learn how to lead. I didn't grow up knowing how to lead. In fact, I grew up, I didn't know very much at all as I grew up, really. Um, But as I learned certain things, it it allowed me to be able to build things into my life and build habits and things that I still live with. And so we want to do that over a number of weeks and and we're going to be speaking into it. And we may do things slightly, you know, not not hugely differently, but we may have a chance to pray together during those services. But I really want to help equip people in being able to lead themselves well in order that they can fulfil all that God has for them in their lives. So we're going to be doing that. Now... um, this Sunday, and uh, the other thing that just to those of you, some of you, uh, many of us will know that uh, Phil's mum has been unwell and she had an operation on Friday um, where she had, a, she had a mastectomy on Friday. We haven't yet heard what the, what the results of that are. I think she was okay off the back of the operation, but we don't know how successful it was and um, I'm sure we'll let you know. But please be praying for Phil uh, and his parents. His mum's in her early 80s, which is a kind of a late age to have that kind of operation. So please be praying for them. Um, Okay, I'm going to pray now and then I'm going to move on. Father, I thank you that you're with us. I thank you for your presence. Thank you that you are the guiding force of all that we do. And I pray uh, that you will be um, in every word that I say, and in every heart that hears them. In Jesus' name, amen. 
what I wanted to do this morning, um, which is slightly different to a, a sort of a normal Sunday uh, preach thing where I'd get a text and I'm, I'm praying into it. Not that I haven't done that. I have a little bit. Um, is really trying to catch the church up in many, many things that seem to be going on around us. Um, and I wanted you to know them. So there are lots of things. There are lots of things I'm going to try and communicate uh, verbally today. Um, now, once I've communicated them, that we'll get them out in other forms. So if you don't pick up everything, don't think to yourself, oh my goodness, I now I've missed it all. I'm sure we can pick things up in other forms. Some of these things that we are doing, some of these things that we're planning to do. Um, so it's a kind of a, let's catch the church up in where we are at. And um, because it's helpful for me, I've come up with six Ps to do that. Yeah? I know it's long, but six Ps... Uh, the first is, I'm just going to explain our position. Where are we at right now? Um, then I'm going to look at promise, um, our foundation. What are we building on? Then practically, what are we doing? And in that section, there's a lot of stuff that I just need to talk about, a lot of people that I just need to name. Um, and then prophetic. What is our unique call? Uh, perseverance. We don't want to lose hope. And prayer. It's God that brings the growth and prayer is the most vital ingredient that we have. Yeah, so that's where I'm going. And uh, unashamedly, I'll be plugging the prayer meeting, which we're having on Thursday in the caretaker's house, as Jen said, encouraging you to be there. Uh, I think we start 7.45, 8 o'clock, and we're going to be praying into a lot of the things that we talk about. So, position, where are we? I remember when I, um, uh, went, I went, I've been to Romania a number of times driving trucks. I remember on one occasion driving along, got us lost. And um, I remember having got lost and my friend who I was driving with, he had a bit, he passed out in the car and it was dark and I didn't know where we were. The first thing I thought was, where are we? I've got no idea. I did worry about him, um, but I thought, where are we? I've got no idea. So uh, knowing where you are helps you to know how to get to where you need to be. If you don't know where you are, then you can't really move forward. So my first point is where are we? Beacon as a church continues to move forward. Um, it, sometimes it feels it's got momentum that, that um, is just happening. Things just keep happening with us. There's a lot of vision and faith. Um, our move to the new offices was, was just a great move for us. And hopefully you'll see it at some point. Um, Orchards, the, the charity that we've been praying into and supporting has now started and they also meet in our office. Um, I'm expecting in the next couple of weeks that the, the guys who are running that to give some feedback to the church about it. Um, and there's loads of things that we're doing. You'd have hear, heard in the notice about our community groups, about our coffee mornings and all the things that we are involved in. And there's a real need, we feel, to strengthen what we do, not just to do more stuff. Not saying we're not going to do more stuff, but we want to strengthen it. Doors and opportunities are opening to us <clears throat> as a church. We are not simply doing a job club because one day John thought, oh, well, it would be great, let's do a job club. We're doing a job club because uh, that whole CAP ministry has become a vital part of what we do. And in our community, there used to be four job centres and there are now only two. And so there is a massive need to help people find work. And um, we've been talking and praying about this for a while. And actually, I, I really think God was on him when John 
in, in going up to CAT for some training, really thought, we, we need to run a job club. That's what we need to do. And we've been getting help and support from that from different people in different churches. It's not just us. So doors and opportunities are opening up in relation to regions beyond the new day. You'll know that doors and opportunities are opening up for me, particularly in those two areas. Um, and this term, I am going to Swindon uh, on a Tuesday evening to talk to them about my experiences around diversity. I'm preaching in a church called Crown Church in Hillingdon um, in November. And um, I've got some things I've been asked to do in January. So things are happening around us. God's doing stuff in and around us as a church. And this is despite a few, you know, key people of leaving. You know, we said goodbye to Toby and Abby last week. We've said goodbye to other people. You'll remember a while back we said goodbye to Thierry and Emma. Thierry has just published his book. So um, it's wonderful, wonderful news. And, uh, and, and uh, I mean, it's maybe not the book that we're all going to read. It's about land, um, uh, literally land in Rwanda. But it has the potential to change many nations if they take on what he says. It really does. So uh, that was quite exciting. I've been uh, messaging him in the last day or so. And so he was part of us and gone. And others have been part of us and they're, and they're going. And we can think, what is going on? But God still seems to be moving us on. And when people are going, and a lot of it is around childcare and all those kinds of things, it affects our resources in terms of people and finance uh, and yet God has also reminded us in recent weeks and months that we are to move forward with faith. Yeah, that we, we must do that. We mu- we're not moving forward just because, oh, you know, we're ignoring what's going on. We must move forward with faith. Faith is a key part of what makes us who we are. So that, that is our kind of position. We're moving, but we're having to hold on to God. We're having to be in faith for what God wants to do among us and we're seeing opportunities and we're taking some and we're working it out. We are building though on a promise or on lots of promises and I'll talk about the prophetic but but one particular promise I wanted to just make reference to which appears generic in the Bible but actually it is absolutely key for uh, for the believer and for Christians like us and it I'm just reading from 1 Chronicles chapter 28, which really came up in my kind of weekly, no, my daily readings. This came up maybe a week or so ago. And it's the bit where David talks about, um, I had it in my heart to build a temple. Yeah, David wanted to build a temple for God. He was like, God, you've done so much for me. I want to I build you a temple. And God said to David, it's not for you to build the temple <laughs> That's basically you've shed too much blood, David. That's what your son's going to do. And so David then prepares the the ground for Solomon to build the temple. And he says in verse 19 of chapter 28, um, uh, all this, all the plans he'd done, uh, I have in writing from the hand of the Lord upon me. And he gave me understanding in all the details of the plan. David also said to Solomon, his son, Be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. 
David plans to build the temple, but he realises quite quickly, oh, it's not for me to do it. That's Solomon's job. My job is not to build the temple, but I can help Solomon by preparing for the temple. And it's really interesting because Solomon, before he ever becomes king and kind of goes, well, what will I do? His life is set out for him. You're going to build the temple. That's what you've got to do. I mean, I wonder whether Solomon thought, but what if I don't want to build the temple? What if I want to do something else? No, your life is set before you. You will build the temple of God. David prepares the way Solomon's life's work was to build the temple. And then David reminds Solomon, look, God will be with you. And it's important what he says, do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord God, my God, is with you. The antidote to fear and discouragement is to remember that God is with you. And just as God said that to David, and I'm reading this out of 1 Chronicles, exactly the same applies to us. God has given us things to do. And, and you might say, but I, I want a beacon to be like this. And God said, oh, no, no, this is what it's going to be like. And we go, okay, we, we want to do the things that you've got for us to do. And then he says to us, because this is a timeless promise, repeated so many places in scripture, it's a timeless promise, do not be afraid, be strong and courageous. Why? For the Lord God is with you. So we must hold on to this truth that God is with us. Yeah, God is with us, that we're not doing this off our back. It wasn't that one day I sat down and I was writing out, what can, I, what can Beacon be like? Oh, I can do this. I, can. No, I, did, I didn't do that. Yeah? No one did that. God began to speak. God is with us. And so this promise of his presence, and this is a promise that helps us deal with discouragement and, uh, and fear, is that he is with us. And we know the promise, Matthew 28, he says to the disciples, go, you know, I will be with you always. It's a promise, Joshua 1, be strong and courageous for the Lord is with you. It's a timeless promise for all believers. Doors are opening, opportunities are coming, we move into them, why? Because God is with us. So because of all of this going on, we've got this underlying promise, I just want to mention some of the practical things that we're doing as a result of that, and then I'm going to talk about what God has spoken over us. Yeah. So practically, and these, I just want to run through some of the changes that we've already made this year, some of the changes that we're about to make, and we're making them because and have made them because God has called us to build something here. He's called us to build a church. He's called us to do things. And I'll, I'll unpack that when I talk about the prophetic. But practically, what have we done? First of all, you might remember back in January, and you might not even remember this, we strengthened the core team. So we had a core team, which we kind of started in September. Um, Phil and I, obviously, we hadn't met as an eldership really for about 18 months. It was a long time, and we were feeling that. We were feeling the reality of that. In September last year, we began a core team uh, with Pauline and uh, Matt and Alicia and um, Peter and Lucy. And then in January, you remember, we added to that team. And we added Nick and Lally. We added Ruth. I'm not sure if I can remember everyone. We added Ibby and Val. And um, who else did we add? Steve 
and Toby, who's gone. We, we, we added some people. And I, I've just got to tell you that that, for me, has been a, 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 what, a genius move, but a blessing. It's been an absolute blessing because we then asked Peter to kind of lead those meetings. And what does Peter do? You'll know even when he preaches, he's always on about prayer. Yeah? So he said, okay, I'm going to lead the meetings, and what we're going to do is we're going to pray. Yeah? So nearly every time we gather, we begin with worship and prayer. And it, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. That's, so a core leadership team in the church, that's how we do most of the time we have together, is we're trying to pray. Now, I'm saying to him, is it okay if I just share something? Yeah, 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 but we're going to pray. And so we have that kind of dialogue on a regular basis. But I'm so grateful. And even when I hear him speak, he always comes back to prayer. Prayer's a big thing. And so, um, so we made that change. I'm not even talking about the practical. I'm just talking about some of the practical things. We strengthened our core team. In April, we, we, we renewed or we got some new staff contracts done. We got a, like a staff welfare team who looked at how we, how we handle our staff. And, and again, they were just brilliant. There's Lucy, Abby, and Stella, and they just helped us form contracts. One of them's a finance guru, a lawyer, and an HR guru. We have them in the church. It was amazing. And they just spent time looking at the contracts, and we got everything on a good footing. In July, you know we appointed new elders, and we went through a whole process for that. You may not know, we also appointed two new trustees. So Bill, why don't you stand? And Josh, why don't you stand? So we've asked these guys to... Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, we've asked these guys to join uh, the trustee uh, board of the church, and uh, that is chaired by Lucy Williams. And that is, if you like, that's the legal entity of the church. So they've put themselves out there, praise the Lord, um, as those who are now kind of legally responsible, that trustee board for the church. And so... Um, and they very quickly were just involved and were helping to plan and prepare uh, us moving into the caretaker's house. And one of the things that they did, and we just need to give some thanks here, is they, they got Val and Paul and Junior. Where's Val? No, why don't you stand? Is Paul here? Paul's not here today. Okay, so Val and Paul basically uh, prepared it, they decorated, they sorted out the house for us, which was a wonderful blessing for us. So thank you. And... And out of nowhere, Junior came in and out, didn't he? He was getting in there. I saw him. He had paint on his hands and his face and stuff. Um, and that was just a real blessing. I've talked about orchards starting. And then the other thing that we've done this September, you may or may not know, but just remember our big picture, we're trying to build a church here, is we have two new staff, if I can put it that way. And uh, is Emma in the room? No, Emma's not in the room, but Ruth is in the room. Okay, so, okay, cool, cool. They're not, they're not even here. So, so uh, Emma Goulds, we're, we're kind of now paying her a day a week to be what we're calling a, a kind of a family development worker. We're, we're recognising both prophetically and practically that God has put something on us for families and that, we, and that our growth area is creche, and I'll come back to that. And so we need someone to be thinking about creche, thinking about kids. Um, one of the things that we run is the, uh, you know, the, the single mums group that Emma runs and, and uh, Emma Arnold runs. Again, I'll mention that in a, in a, in a bit, but 
All of that needs support. All of that needs somebody to be thinking about it. We're having babies in the church. People are having babies. And when they have, we've got two babies. They're about to be born any day now. And when that happens as a church, we want to support that. So we're, we're releasing Emma to do that. And you'll know there's been prophetic words over Emma for that kind of thing. Yeah? Now that isn't, actually, that isn't, we haven't thought, oh, where were the prophetic words? But they have been prophetic words over Emma for that kind of thing. And also we've asked Ruth a day a week to, to do what we're calling our external, and it sounds grand, but external partnership coordinator, really. And what that's about is we have lots of relationships with people outside, people like Regions Beyond, people like New Day, um, even, even you know, apart from the fact that John runs the Brixton Food Bank, the Norwood and Brixton Food Bank, and often these guys are sending in requests for us, can you do this, can you advertise this, can you do that? Um, when we have guest speakers, who looks out for them, who looks after them? Even the fact that I get in, invited out to do different things, we wanted someone who could help us to, to really build those relationships well and to, I suppose, particularly to work a little bit with me into New Day, which is something that has grown. And so we've asked Ruth um, to do that, and we're paying Emma and Ruth a day a week to come in and to do those things. And we're already seeing the benefit of it. We're talking about a creche worker, someone who can, and I don't mean someone who's outside of a Sunday, but someone who's actually employed on a Sunday to help us because creche is one, our, bi- one, our biggest area of growth and it's the area where maybe at times we, have, we don't have the strongest team and, um, and sometimes there are issues there that we have to make sure we are resolving. And so we're doing that. We're doing them because we're seeing these are areas in which our church is growing and these are areas that bring us support and help. And we're doing them now because you know, creation needs support now. Yeah? Uh, we could kind of wait, but it actually needs support now. And so we're, we're thinking about these things. The other thing that it, it's worth you knowing, not just worth you knowing, it's really great news, is Hannah Arnold is our first intern in years. <laughs> and she is already bossing the place <laughs> and just doing really, really well. And we're still hoping to do some mini internships with some of our other older youth. Some of the guys who haven't gone off to uni, we've had a few go off to uni, um, but some of them haven't gone off to uni and we're still hoping to draw them in in some way. Um, We're talking about that uh, with them, with Nick and Lally, and hopefully we'll come up with some stuff in time. You'll know that this month we launched a new community group with Martin and Maureen. And I just want to say the way they presented group, I was like, Paulie, I want to be in the group. <laughs> I want to be in the group. She was like, well, yeah, maybe. So, um, but if you're not in a group, I really want to encourage you to get to that group. If you're not in a group, it's like every other Wednesday or Wednesday dates. And I just think you will be so well fed. Yeah, as a Christian, I think you will grow in your faith. And uh, any one of our groups, I, I think, but this new group, if you're not in a group now, I'm not asking you to start sort of group hopping or trying to do all the groups, but if you're not in a group right now, let me encourage you to seriously consider that group, the Wednesday group. It will help you in your faith. And then this next month, 
We are relaunching the Sunday group, which Val and Faith are going to pick up. It's great news. And uh, Simi and Ibi are going to support them. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't know that. No, he didn't know that. Um, and so, again, uh, you know, that group is there available. Obviously, one of the things that we have, one of the situations is our, is our older youth, yeah, so where they've got 18, 19, and they get into that kind of age, maybe, maybe they don't need to go out every other week, maybe, and maybe that we could encourage them or encourage them to get into a group, and maybe that Sunday group, uh, led by Val, who's been part of that team, the youth team, for a while. Um, also, in October, we're, we're talking about launching a, 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 or keep going with a youth programme, but it's predominantly for younger youth. Yeah, so we've got some younger youth around and we're wanting to work with that. But you just need to know in that, Lally's having a baby on the day we're meant to be launching it. So I don't know how that's actually going to work. Um, but we're wanting to do it. We're wanting to do something for younger youth. We're still wanting to take young people to New Day. We've done it for years. We've seen real benefit to them and to the church when we've done it. And you know about the job club. So with all of this in mind, we had to kind of, I had to take a, a look again at how we served on a Sunday. And I'll, I'll come to the prophetic in a moment, which gives us why we serve, but how we serve on a Sunday. So I was looking at our rotors. I was talking to Jen, who obviously manages the rotors in the office. I was talking to Matt, who's one of the elders and part of the Sunday team. Um, and then to, to the other elders and the other staff. So I've been talking to people uh, about it, but where we've come to is, is this. We're going to, um, we're going to change our rotors currently. Some are one in three, some are one in two, and some, uh, you know. But our reality is, even if you're on a one in three rotor, you're probably serving more than that. Let's be honest, that's normally what happens here. And if you're leading one of those ministries, you're serving a lot more than that. And my observation of people who've led ministries, for example, when Nick and Lally led the creche, which they did before they led the youth, um, probably they were down on the rotor for like one in three, but in reality, they probably did six in seven. That's just the reality when you lead, because partly you fill in the gaps. And Cecilia ended up doing the same. I've seen Steve do very similar, running the kids, that, that, okay, he might be down one in three, but in reality, he might be doing five out of six. And some of us, we're trying to do welcome and worship on the same day, or maybe not those two, but you know what I mean. We're, we are already in that place where lots of people are doing lots of things at lots of different times. So... I wanted to restructure our rotors, and I'm not going to go into all the detail because it will come out and you'll have an opportunity to comment. I'm just giving you some guiding principles in what we've done, um, is to change all the rotors so that they're one in four. Uh, I think, and it's not just because I like four, but it allows one in two, it allows one in four quite easily. Um, so we're going to do that. Um, and, uh, and secondly, that the rotors are, will be managed all the rotors will be managed centrally, even though the teams will be led by individuals. And, and you can lead your team. You don't need to always be responsible for the rotor to lead your team. Pauline's joined the welcome team and gets lots of encouragement, I've noticed, from Petra. Now, I don't, I'm not sure that Petra needs the list to be able, the list of when is she on to do it, but she's encouraging all the time the team. 
telling them testimonies. This is what's going on. Giving them scriptures. And Paulie's like, whoa, I've joined a real team here. They're really moving forward. Not saying other teams aren't moving forward, but I, I just know that because... <laughs> I, all I, I only say that because Pauline's getting it and she's right there with me. And I'm like, wow, you've joined the welcome team. That's a team to join. And so, and so you can lead your teams, but actually we don't have enough different people to have lots of different rotors being done separately because, because, you know, just put your hands up if you're more than one rotor. Yeah, there's, there's, there's lots of us. I mean, some of us are not, are on, we haven't put hands up because we're out there already, yeah? <laughs> lots of us are on more than one rotor. Now, one of the other things that we've, we feel that we need to move towards is uh, for parents to help with creche and, where necessary, kids. And uh, this is something that I, I think we've talked about in the past. I don't think we ever ultimately got there. Um, but even in our last church, in our last church, when we left it, was 900 people. In that church, parents, their first priority for serving was the creche, if they had kids in creche. Some of them did other things because, because they couldn't get enough people to cover the creche. So they needed, uh, and why do you go to parents? It's not just because, well, you've got children. It's more that there's, parents sometimes have maybe a bit more confidence, a bit more knowledge. I'm not saying that every parent knows about every child, because I certainly didn't when I was a young parent of young children. I only understood my three just about. Um, but we're asking that we might do that and that we will try and work out ways in which parents can support creche as well as do other things. Um, we're also recognising the reality that some serving requires you to be out the meeting for the whole meeting. So if you're on creche, you don't, you're not in here. Yeah? Whereas if you're on welcome, you are still in here. And so there's a difference. And so we're having to take all of those things into account. And, and we really want our creche and our kids to work. Yeah, we want them to work. We want that to be a, an area of growth, not just because people are having babies, but because maybe people are coming and they're seeing, oh, actually, they're looking after their, their kids and stuff. So we want it to work um, as much for um, the kids and for the parents and everything. So, so we're changing the rotor a bit, and uh, you'll, you'll, you'll see that in time. So, so Please don't overly speculate because you'll see it and then you can come back uh, where you have questions. But we're trying to work it out so it works for, for, for everyone. So why are we doing all this? So I want to now talk a little bit about the prophetic. Why, why, why are we doing this? Yeah, because you can take the Bible and from the Bible you can go, okay, God says this, God says that, let's do this, let's do that. But the truth is... God speaks uniquely to people about different things at different times. The call that God brought to Abraham to leave his father and his, his, his father's people and go to a land that I will show you was different to the call that God gave to Joshua to go into the land of, of Israel and to inherit it. And that was different again to what God said to the disciples when he said, go into all the world. Yeah? So we can't kind of go, oh my goodness, God's calling us to leave our land. He's calling us to go and take the land. He's it doesn't work like that. God speaks uniquely to an individual or an individual group about what do they need to do now in their situation. And God has spoken 
to us. As I say, this is not, Owen's got some ideas about what to do with church. This is not, and I know some people who are like that. I know some people who sat down with their leadership team and they wrote out a vision and they wrote out what God said or what they wanted to do and then they went, bang, this is what we're going to do. We haven't done that. We are very intentionally wanting to be led by the Spirit in everything that we do. And so when God speaks, we want to hear him, we want to listen. And so I'm just going to remind us of some of the things that God has said to us. Yeah, Some of you would have been in the room, some of you even brought the words. Yeah, The things that God has said to us over the years. And the first is this, it was really interesting as I was looking back at our prophetic history, the first prophecy recorded in our prophetic history is about prayer. And it basically tells us that prayer is the key to everything that you do. That was the first prophecy recorded, and that was recorded somewhere between 2006 and 2008. I can't even remember when it was recorded, and the person who recorded it isn't here, has never been part of this church, but what he brought was prayer is the key to everything that you do. And I remember at our 10th anniversary, which we celebrated, I can't even remember when we celebrated it, a while back, um, Andy, who led the church at the beginning, and Chris, who kind of led it with him or co-worked with him, both of them said to Phil on that day when we were celebrating 10 years of Beacon, don't forget prayer. Don't forget it. Now, every church, I'm sure praise you can make an argument for the scripture for praying in every context but we know God has specifically said to us prayer is a key to what you do so we must take that seriously we must we can't go well yeah I get it but you know if we work really hard no if we pray really hard prayer is a key and it talked about, that particular word talked about prayer will unlock things for you. It will unlock things for you. Things will become uh, easier, open. Doors will open for us because we pray. So practically in a moment, I'll talk about uh, what that looks like. But I just wanted to say that was the first word that was brought. You remember, those of you who've been here for any length of time, um, the word that came about justice and mercy. I'll, I'll come back to that. I, I remember there was a word that was brought to us about a healthy garden. That Beacon would be like a healthy garden. And if you know anything about how the church began, it, it didn't begin healthy in terms of there was, it wasn't like there were lots of different kinds of people. There was the majority of people when the church first started, when it first started, the majority of people in that church were single girls, single women. And this prophetic word came that said, don't worry about that. God's going to build a healthy garden. God's going to add to you. God knows. Don't worry about it. So that he spoke about that. A word that Emma Arnold had for us back in 2009 was you are going into the battle. She talked about going to the battle zone. God is sending us to the poor, to drug addicts, to homeless and disadvantaged. When she said that, we were just trying to make meetings work. Yeah, We weren't doing anything. And that word came. I think it was only four months after they joined the church. 
Another word that came, that you are to be a lighthouse, that beacon isn't just going to be your name, it's going to be what you are. You're going to be a lighthouse, a place of safety and refuge. I don't know that John knew that when he preached on cities of refuge, but someone prophesied that over us in 2009. And then I'm going to read some of what uh, Julian Adams prophesied over us. And this This remains significant for us. It certainly remains significant for me because I totally believe that we are to be a prophetically led church as much as anything else. That we are guided by what God has said is the unique call upon us. Yes, we're guided by other things, but God has called us to do something here. And this is what some of the things that he said. Some of it you'll know, some of it you may not know. He said, I feel, and and Julian was a a well-known, attested prophet, if you like. He said, I feel the Lord has given me a word for Beacon, which is countercultural. God has put a unique anointing on Beacon to be countercultural. God will use you to defy trends and ideas in the city, to break through norms and preconceived ideas. There is a unique anointing upon you to fly in the face of culture. He wants to talk to you about finance and resources. There's going to be a resource anointing. I believe God is going to add key people of business and influence that will give you a footing for resources. Where there might be poverty, there will be wealth. And even where there'll be a context of much wealth, it will be linked to a context of much poverty. The Lord has given you an anointing for mercy and justice. He's going to establish his throne on these two things, mercy and justice. He's going to add to beacon those who will fight for justice and the poor and the broken and the marginalised. God is going to give you a voice in strategic places, even places of government and influence where traditionally the church hasn't had a voice. He's going to release the people of Beacon to be countercultural in places of influence. And you'll know this bit of the word. I see lawyers. Lawyers are going to join you, and those that work in law and will speak on behalf of those like asylum seekers, but also in terms of helping shape policies. God is going to break open the local areas of wealth in a significant way. He talks about he's going to build an apostolic base, a base that will resource many other places. There's going to be connections. He talks about moving and change and stuff. I even see Macedonian calls from other churches for Beacon to help them, to shape them. God says, don't despise that which is currently small as the kingdom often designed to be concealed in that which is small, but eventually becomes big and influential. Beacon will be a big church, not a little church. I believe for Beacon, it's a new shape, a new breakthrough, a new wineskin. God says to build around that which he is doing. And when I read that, I was reminded of the fact that one of the ways that we work here, philosophically, whether you've seen it or not, is we do build around what we see in terms of what God is doing in gifts. So, so you know, John, he, he doesn't always like this example, but, but when John began food bank and, or was, got involved in food bank and CAP, we kind of, uh, we build around that, yeah? Every, a lot of what we do is to ensure John is free to be able to minister in that way. And I think about Emma Goulds, and God has spoken over her about, you know, single parents, about families. We want to build around that. We want to help where God, when, when Dave was here, and Dave and Becky are running youth, I, I would say to Jen in the office, we're just going to support them. We're just going to support them. We're going to build around it. 
So where God has put gifts among us, we want to support that gift and, and help that gift. I feel that there's going to be a strong ministry to single mothers in this church. Scores and scores of single mothers coming to Beacon. And many of you will know this, the story of, of Emma Arnold, who had, um, even when, you know, when she and Ben were married, I remember her speaking to me about, I've got, I've got a heart for single mums in the church. Years ago, she said that. Years. And then, having been widowed herself, she comes back, oh, I've still got this heart for single parents in the church. That's a God thing. There was no persuasion there. There was no like strategic thinking. That's God placing something in someone that we want to build around, we want to get on side with. God's going to give Beacon an ability to provide family to those that don't have family. So keep a family mentality. So what do we do? We have this thing about building a village. It takes a village to raise a child. We're all involved in it. It's not just me and my children. Actually, it's, it's you and my children. Your children and my children. We're trying to build something together. We're recognising the need for one another. Yeah, we didn't, I didn't look at this and go, oh, this is what I need to do. No, God is doing something separate to, what, to this. God is doing what he said he would do. Beacon's going to be a community within a community, and many will find their place there. God wants to speak about community centres. Well, this is a community centre. We've had a community centre. Community centres are going to be given to Beacon as places where we can operate and be of influence. Isn't that where we are now? God has given us a place where we can operate and have influence. And we didn't read that and go, oh, how do we make that happen? I'm reading it and going, oh, okay. So God wants to encourage us. He wants to encourage us because he's already spoken into us and one of the reasons that we believe him for the future is because of what he's done in the past. Yeah, that's, that's how faith works. Faith isn't just, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping. Faith is, oh no, what God said in the past he's begun to do, therefore I can believe him for what he's going to do in the future. That's how it works and that's how we are to work as a church. So that's, that's why we serve. We don't, we don't serve just because, um, you know, that's what churches do, you, you know, they serve. No. Serving, fundamentally, is very good for you. You just need to know that, yeah? That's from someone who served in church for years and years and years and years. And years. Serving is actually good for you, yeah? It's good for your soul, it's good for relationships, it's good for your faith. And I don't mean, when I say that, I don't mean just the good bits of serving when it's all fun. I mean the difficult bits of serving when it's not so fun, that, that produces things in you which is good, if you allow it to. Yeah? People find friends through serving. People sometimes find long-time friends through serving. Yeah? But there are two things that, that I kind of feel like if God has promised some things, we've got some practical changes we're making, God has spoken into us, there are two ways we are to respond. And the first is, we mustn't lose hope. Yeah? Because God's promises are not dependent on individuals. Yeah? It's not dependent on, oh, this person's gone. We think, oh, 
They were so good at this. They were so good at that. I'm not saying they weren't good at those things, but it doesn't depend on the individual. When God promises, he's committed to his promise. He's relentlessly committed to his own purpose and his own promise. If God has promised something, he will deliver it. That's what the passage in 1, Corinthians, 1 Chronicles 28 tells us, that look, he's with you. He'll see it through to the end. That's what God does. So we mustn't lose hope. We must have perseverance. Why? Because in James and other places, perseverance develops character and character hope. Perseverance, that ability to keep going, it's a vital characteristic. It's perseverance that brings hope and, it's, and then it says, hope doesn't disappoint. But then the second thing we need is we need to pray. Prayer is our greatest, it's our single greatest weapon. And we know that because at the very beginning of this church, God said to the people who gathered, and I don't know that any one of us was in that room, maybe Garth was, I don't know, but God said, pray. Pray. It's our single greatest weapon. It's not our individual abilities or gifts I don't want to decry them or belittle them, but prayer is the key to unlocking doors for us as a church. So this Thursday we meet to pray, and we're going to meet through there in the caretaker's house. Every Sunday we pray at 10 o'clock in the morning in, in the little room that is, I call it the prayer room, but it's the youth room. We kind of battle over what's it called. The prayer room through there. Um, we're going to be starting a, a Friday morning, 11 a.m., just for half an hour prayer meeting uh, in our office um, as we kind of, particularly as we're launching into CAP and other things. So if you're around on a, on a Friday morning, probably from the beginning of October when we start CAP, we're going to just gather to pray. And you can come early, get a coffee, but at 11, we're just going to pray for half an hour. Wednesday mornings, if you're in leadership at 6.30, if you want to come to St Paul's in Brixton, you can come where we pray. Prayer is the key for us. It may be different for other places, but for us to unlock all that God has, we must pray. Yeah? One of the amazing things about Beacon, with all the comings and goings of all the amazing people that we've had, is the vision and the hope that God has placed in us has not died. It has not died. It is still there. And if you apply faith to that, yeah, you can still believe God. We can still believe. I still believe that God wants to do great things. It reminds me, even at this period of time when Pauline and I have got these big changes going on, this transition from you know, having kids at home to being empty nesters and all that. And to you guys, it might be, what are you talking about? But to us, it's big, yeah? To us, it's a, to me particularly, Paulie's like, yeah, it'd be fine. For me, it's like, whoa, change, transition. One of the things that we have learned or seen over the years is this. We ended up parenting for longer than we expected. Yeah? You know, our, our eldest is she's 25 in about six weeks. Diana's 22 and Daisy's 19. And we have actively parented them and still parent them to this age. Now, by that, I don't mean we're teaching them lessons and pointing. We're not doing that. Yeah, we've moved on from those kind of things. 
Um, but we are actively involved in still raising our children. Yeah? Way longer than I would have expected. Way longer. And there are two reasons why we are. It's because we had some friends. Um, the woman of this couple, unfortunately, she died a number of years ago, uh, tra- quite tragically. But, but they talked about that sense of being responsible for their children. Their, their children were like 20 years old. I was thinking... Why are you still responsible? Surely they're adults now. They can just go and do their own thing. Uh, And then we ourselves, when our kids began to get to that age, we realised, oh, no, actually, we could just leave them and, you know, let them make their own mistakes, but some of their own mistakes will cost them. We just leave them now. Some of their own mistakes will cost them. With a little bit of help, a little bit of guidance, lots and lots of prayer, you can still parent your children. And so that's what we've discovered. Oh, we're parenting. We're still parenting. Longer than we expected. Way longer. And I think for us as a church, building Beacon has been a lot harder, taken a lot longer than we ever would have expected. Is that not true? Well, it is for me. It may not be for you, but it is for me. It's taken a lot longer. Yeah? And, and the only thing I have to hold on to is, God, I believe that you've spoken, and, and that hasn't been undone. You have spoken. This is not just me. You know, if, I think if this were just me, I would have, I would have walked. Yeah? But I'm just thinking, no, God, you've spoken. You've, you've, you've done stuff. I've, I've seen you speak. I've seen you answer prayer. I'm like, okay. It may take longer than I expected to become all that I believe you want it to be, but I'm going to hang in there because I believe you are going to make it all that you want it to be. And so that's kind of why... We're doing those things, and I, I just think that I remember talking to a, an old friend from my last church who had been in the church when it was 80 people. And when I had this conversation with him, maybe it was 800 people. And so you need to try and understand when you transition. You, 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 when it's 80 people, you're praying for 800, and when 800 come, you're like, really? These people? Yeah? <laughs> I've got to be honest, that happens. You know, you're praying for God, bring them, bring the masses. He brings the masses and you're like, oh my goodness. Yeah, the masses are not the masses I was expecting. What about those masses? He brings the masses. I remember this guy and there was lots of things that were now going on in the church that I know, I knew that this guy automatically would struggle with. He was like, oh, you know, the, the things we're doing, things we're hearing. And he said, I remember him saying to me, what helps me is when we have a baptism or something and I hear the story. When I hear the story and it's not my story and I'm like, okay, God, those sacrifices were worth it. They were worth it. And so, uh, yeah, we have stories and okay, we need to get them up. We have stories and you don't even need the stories. You see the people. You see the people and you go, oh God, that's what it's taking? Then it's worth it. It's worth it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your presence. We thank you just for this morning. You are so good to us. I pray, Father, that you would encourage every heart here. I pray, Father, that you would continue to speak to us. I value so much, Lord, that you've spoken to us as a church, that 
that those words remain part of what we're doing and the way we're building. And we pray, Father, that you will fulfil every word that you have brought over this community. Lord, I thank you for this community. I thank you for those that uh, serve so faithfully, so sacrificially, week after week after week. God, I, I thank you for them. And I thank you, God, that you see every act. You see every heart. You see every, uh, you see every sacrifice that's made. And Father, I thank you that you don't forget them. You don't ignore them. Uh, that, Lord, we often will miss stuff, but you don't miss anything. And so I pray, Father, that you would place into our hearts such a, such a, a joy at what you've called us to do all the different things, the, the way that you've called us to serve, the different people you've brought into this place. Lord, I pray that you fill our hearts with joy at what your work. In Jesus' name. Uh, and Lord, just before, I, I just want to pray for Petra and Lally again as they're waiting the birth of these children. We ask, O oh God, for safe delivery. We pray for protection upon them. We pray for such a blessing to those families. In Jesus' name, Amen. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.